This episode is brought to you by Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. In breaking news, leading scientists worldwide are conducting experiments to determine if Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the perfect combination of peanut butter and chocolate. However, it appears the study was inconclusive, as the scientists couldn't help but eat all the Reese's. Because when you want something sweet, you can't do better than Reese's. Find Reese's now at a store near you. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, hello. Welcome back to Peak Northwest, an outdoors and travel podcast by The Oregonian and Oregon Live, dedicated to the adventure and exploration of our beautiful Pacific Northwest. I'm Jamie Hale. And I'm Jim Ryan. And together we take you to some of the most beautiful and interesting destinations in our region, discussing where to go, what to do, and places to see. And today, Jamie, we're going to do something we haven't done for a couple months now. That's right. For the first time since the coronavirus outbreak hit, we're going to recommend some actual outdoor places for folks to visit now that a lot of them are back open. Yeah, Jamie, I'm actually excited about this. Uh, It seems like it's been a really long time since we've kind of been like, hey, here's a good spot to go check out. This (laughs) is what you should do. Uh, Yeah, a few months. I mean, uh, it's time. Uh, I think, to kind of give a tempered, uh, you know, recommendation with some disclaimers. And kind of the first disclaimer is still, folks, uh, we're still supposed to stay relatively local. So what does that mean exactly? Uh, That's a a 50-mile radius from your home. And we've kind of tried to set up uh, some general ideas that are close to our homes, or maybe close to where a lot of you folks might live. Um, But the point is, Jamie, still try to stay reasonably close to where you are. Yeah? Right. Exactly. This is not the time to necessarily plan your big epic road trip way across the state or way around the Northwest. We're still at a point in this pandemic where public health officials are asking people to stay closer to home and to not put a strain, especially on some of these rural communities who don't have a lot of hospital beds and a lot of resources um, or grocery stores. So staying closer to home for now is just kind of the wisest course of action. Our other disclaimer, of course, is be flexible, right? Just because uh, I'm maybe going to give you a, a trail that I visited recently that I think might be a good bet doesn't mean everyone has to go to that trail. It means hey, here's a good option for you. Maybe if you show up and it's super packed, try something else. Go for uh, option B, C, D, so on and so forth. Um, And the last disclaimer, plan ahead. Know what you're getting into when you get out there. As we get to some of these recommendations, maybe there are things that uh, a lot of you folks don't do all the time. So make sure you know what you're getting into. Yeah? And I would say, you know, make sure you bring things like hand sanitizer, like a face mask. Make sure that you're you're ready to 
go somewhere that might not have facilities like restrooms open or that are clean or that might not have running water. These these are things that are kind of our new reality right now as uh, state parks and some of the other land management agencies have less funding amid the pandemic and have just less fewer resources that are available. Agreed, Jamie. I know I'm trying to bring my buff with me, uh, keep it around my neck, uh, like the neckerchief that you is it neckerchief or neckerchief, Jamie? We're, I keep saying this wrong. I feel like it. It's just it's like tomato tomato. You know? Okay. All right. All right. It's Good. like I say neckerchief because I say handkerchief. But if you're someone who says handkerchief, perhaps you're a neckerchief person. Or if you just want to say neckerchief, you know, I don't know. I'm not going to tell anyone how they can or cannot pronounce uh, uh, a fun word. Well, there we go. Sure. Uh, I'll take it. Neckerchief, neckerchief, tomato, tomato. Uh, why don't we just get on to the recommendations, shall we? <laughs> <laughs> so, Jim, I know you've got a bunch of recommendations, and I've got a bunch of recommendations myself as well. So I think what we're going to do here is start with what you've got, um, then we'll kind of take a short break, and then we will go to what I have. So, Jim, I'm really interested to hear what you have in terms of these outdoor recommendations for folks in this moment in time. So, Jamie, I'll bump it right back to you immediately. Are, are you familiar with Oregon's scenic bikeways? Oh, yeah. There's, what, a dozen or so around the state of these sort of scenic bike paths or, or roads where people can take bike rides, right? Yeah. So there's a bunch of these. I think there's a good number, more than 12, maybe 17, 18, 19, something like that. I'd have to count them. But uh, you and I both live here in Portland, so I picked out a couple of the bikeways that are kind of proximate to us and would make sense for, you know, a, a day trip out riding your bike. So the first one, Jamie, is the Tualatin Valley Scenic Bikeway, and that goes between Vernonia and Hillsborough. And if that sounds kind of familiar, the Banks Vernonia Trail is part of it. It's a great little area, just pretty close to town in the Willamette Valley. And a nice paved stretch without cars. So you can choose to do kind of this longer ride. Um, I think the bikeway itself is a full 51 miles. Um, and that's point to point. So, you know, that's a, a lengthy bike ride that you're going to end up uh, a different place than where you started. If you wanted to go out and back, that's going to be, you know, over 100 miles. That's probably not what most people are interested in doing. But you could pick off any number of stretches of this ride to do. Go out and back, set up a car shuttle. It's a good option here close to town, uh, at least for us here in the Portland metro. The second one I wanted to shout out is the Willamette Valley Scenic Bikeway, which goes between Shampooey State Park and the Eugene area. So that's a much longer trip. Uh, that's 134 miles if you do the whole thing, which... I am not equipped to ride my bike 134 miles. Jamie, I assume <laughs> no. you're also uh, no. not stoked on riding your bike 134 miles. I love the uh, idea, but I don't think that my body nor my bike would love the actual activity of doing that. Yeah, 134 miles is, uh, that's a lot. But again, it's one of those situations where you can pick up a section of this. Um, I'm looking on TravelOregon.com and they... They have a couple individual legs that you can choose to do. Uh, I have not ridden any section of this one, uh, to the best of my knowledge. I have ridden uh, the Banks-Fernonia Trail. 
again, a really nice option uh, for folks who don't want to drive a long way, but do want to get out on their bike and maybe see something new or different than what they normally do uh, around the Portland area. Those are two good options for folks who want to get on their bike, uh, maybe go do a little bit of exploring, and perhaps see something new. I know uh, parts of those uh, bike rides would be completely new for me, especially the whole Limit Valley Scenic Bikeway. The second thing that I have to do, Jamie, it sounds like it's right up your alley. Kayaking, paddleboarding, river rafting. Uh, I know you're a, a kayaker, occasional kayaker at least. Occasional, yes. Occasional. I've seen I've seen photos of you. Was it Crescent Lake up in the Olympic Peninsula yep. where you went out on a kayak trip? Yep, I've done some kayaking out in the um, San Juan Islands as well. Um, I've been known to yak every now and then. Um, I would, honestly, I would a lot more if I had my own kayak. That is one of the things that I am saving up for, um, is to get a kayak so I can just go out there on some of these, you know, lakes around the area. It's such a great activity to kind of get out there and kind of fall into that peaceful beauty of a lake, you know, when you're kind of out in the middle of it. I love Mm -hmm. that. Mm -hmm. I've been out twice so far this year on the kayak and I... I'm really fortunate. I don't own uh, a boat myself, but one of my buddies uh, has two. Actually, he's got a third one on the way. Uh, He's big into paddling and basically says, hey, you want to come out and uh, get on the river? And this spring, kind of looking for something different to do, we took them out twice. So the first time uh, went for a section of the Sandy River a river, Jamie, I know that you quite enjoy, mm-hmm. um, putting in at Oxbow Park out, what is that, in Gresham? In that general East County area. And we rode the river down to Glen Otto Community Park uh, in Troutdale, um, right near the bridge that spans the Sandy River. My buddy Powers and I did that trip earlier this spring. I've heard, though, that the Sandy maybe is a river that you want to try, at least the section we did, a little earlier in the season. Um, So if you're interested in that one, my secondhand advice, I guess, would be hop on it sooner rather than later. The second kayak outing that I did uh, was also with my buddy Powers, whose boat I continue to borrow, was on the Pudding River. Are you familiar with the Pudding, Jamie? I, I am. I believe I have also kayaked that uh, river before, um, one of my only river kayaking adventures. The pudding is a great choice, uh, I thought. The current was not very strong in most spots. Uh, it was kind of a nice, windy stretch. I couldn't tell you exactly how long our trip was or exactly where we put in and took out. If I'm being honest, my buddies coordinated this one. I just kind of showed up. But our pal Dylan... Pilaget, uh, who previously came on the podcast, he, myself, and uh, Powers, the guy whose boats I borrow, we went out for a nice leisurely paddle after work on, I think it was a Friday night, and uh, it's inherently uh, just a good thing to do right now, a little bit something different, and you folks can probably find a way to coordinate a good river trip of your own right now. I like the pudding because it connects up there with the Malala River as well and then comes and dumps out into the Willamette. If that's something that you can and feel safe enough to do, it's a it's a nice little way to explore some of these quieter rivers 
back there because the pudding, like you said, yeah, it's windy and it's nice and quiet um, and really relaxing. And then you get out into the Willamette and it's just much bigger. Um, the current's a lot stronger and it's just a different experience entirely. Yeah. And now that I think of it, Jamie, I was putting myself on the spot earlier, but I do remember where we took out because we we finished up on the pudding uh, right where it enters the Willamette and paddled on down to the Canby Ferry. And that was it. Uh, we were able to go back up to a couple of our cars that we had stashed there. The last thing that I'm going to recommend, Jamie, is a hike that I did on the Pacific Crest Trail. Uh, Jamie, you and I actually did a portion of this hike a couple of years ago. I, I don't know if you remember. Of course I do, Jim. <laughs> we took this hike right after the Eagle Creek fire and were out there hanging out with the trail crews as they were trying to repair the PCT as it went through the gorge there. Um, it's a beautiful stretch of forest. Of course, I've only seen it there in that post-fire burn. Um, but Jim, how is it looking these days? You know, a lot of the foliage has, you know, on, on the ground level really has popped back. And and this is the Pacific Crest Trail out of Cascade Locks. Uh, I did earlier this month a trip, it's only several miles, to Dry Creek Falls, uh, which is just a short spur trail off of the PCT. And uh, it was a nice kind of rainy afternoon where we got a couple of nice breaks in the rain, but did do a little bit of hiking with the hood up, you know, as you do. Um, ran into a number of different parties, but everyone was very courteous on kind of a normal, fairly skinny trail. And everyone gave a wide berth. And, you know, some folks would turn their back or whatever when you go to pass. I had a buff that I pulled up over my nose and mouth. It was great. Not much more that I could really ask for, I guess, for kind of a, a fairly leisurely, mellow hike to do on a, a day that was a little bit rainy where we were. And uh, to boot is within 50 miles of my house in southeast Portland. Jim, I love all of these ideas. They're perfect for this kind of late spring, early summer, uh, regardless of the weather. There's a lot of really good ideas out here for people who want to get outside close to home. So thanks for sharing all of these. Yeah, you've got it, Jamie. Well, I want to hear some of what you have to recommend. But first, we're going to take a short break. All right, folks. So we are back talking about some of our recommendations for how to get outside and take a day trip during the coronavirus outbreak. Jamie, what do you got for us, man? Well, Jim, I, a lot of what I've been thinking about in terms of where to go and a lot of what I've been hearing from people as well is how do I find places where I'm not going to be around a lot of people? Mm -hmm. Because as we've discussed in the past, you know, trails are popular at any time of year, let alone at a time right now when people are itching to get back out there and a lot of people who aren't working right now are available to get back out there. So. In in that light, what I am recommending are a few different, um, not just places, but some strategies as well. Um, so the first one here is is wilderness areas. So when I'm trying to get away from crowds, one of my go-to strategies is to look for a wilderness area. So in Oregon, there are 48 designated wilderness areas. And these are places that are meant to be kept as these 
pristine examples of nature. So, you know, there's no human interaction involved in there. You can't bring in chainsaws. If you're the Forest Service, um, you can't bring in your mountain bike. It's really just, you know, people on foot and horses, and that's pretty much all that is allowed to be in these areas. And as a result, there are usually fewer people in them. Of course, there are some exceptions, places like the Mount Jefferson Wilderness or Three Sisters Wilderness, where you get a lot of backpackers. But there's so many of these wilderness areas that you can go to. And in my experience, I've been, you know, one of the only people, if not the only person there for the day or the night that I choose to spend there. So I, I'd recommend we can put this link in the show notes here, but I've got a list of the 48 wilderness areas in Oregon, and there's a map on there. And if you look at that, you can see there's a couple that are within that 50 mile radius we're talking about. The two that come to mind for me are the Salmon Huckleberry Wilderness and the Badger Creek Wilderness, which are on either side of Mount Hood. And whether you're doing a day hike in these areas or you want to backpack to a backcountry campsite, they're great spots to go and be in nature and get away from people a little bit more. Now, you should keep in mind that these aren't necessarily places where you're hiking to go see a spectacular waterfall or a mountain view. These are usually more places where you're just going to find a little forested campsite, maybe next to a stream, where you you can just relax and take it easy and get away from it all. I could go for that like this very instant uh, if we were to just, you know, set out from our closet recording studios here at our respective homes and set out in that direction. I'd be pretty stoked. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's like that's like a dream come true for me just to be out there in the middle of nature. It's it's really relaxing. I mean, I highly recommend it. But for folks who go out there, this is again, you need to make sure that you're prepared to be out there. So when we talk about backpacking, about packing it in, packing it out, um, bringing your own water, bringing water filters, um, you know, bringing your toilet supplies, these are things you need to take if you're going there overnight or even for a day trip because some of these areas are not as well maintained as your traditional trails. And as a result, you, you're entering into an inherently more dangerous area. So just keep that in mind. But these are great areas to go, again, to, to not see as many people. And also, I, I might add, with the two you referenced, just great names. We've got the <laughs> Salmon Huckleberry Wilderness and the Badger Creek Wilderness. I just like that. Uh, rolls off the tongue. Sounds good. Sounds fun. Count me in, Jamie. I would love to like have a dinner of salmon and huckleberries in the salmon huckleberry wilderness, you know? Jamie, if you can line that up, uh, tell me when and where. We probably won't find ourselves preparing our, uh, a salmon <laughs> huckleberry dinner out in the wilderness, but we are going to cover in a future episode a little bit of camp cooking. So stay tuned for that, actually. In the meantime, though, Jamie, what else you got for us? This one is less of a recommendation on where to go um, and more of a recommendation on when to go. So a lot of these more popular trails around the area that have reopened, um, they get really popular in the morning. So what people tend to do is they say, I want to be the first one on the trail. Um, and maybe they get there at eight or nine in the morning and there's already a bunch of people there who got there earlier. Um, and you kind of see this, this big rush in those morning hours. And then you get sort of like the, the afternoon rush. What I like to do for these popular trails especially is to go in the evening time, especially this time of year because we're we've got we're almost at the longest day of the year here on June 20th 
and we've got all this daylight. So if you can show up later in the afternoon or earlier in the evening, you have plenty of daylight to do some of these hikes. And the crowds are far less than you would see if you go first thing in the morning. So I love to go to places like Hamilton Mountain, for example, in the gorge, or Cape Falcon on the coast, places that typically get a lot of traffic. But in the evening time, you've got that beautiful sunlight as the sun goes, starts to go down, and you, ha- you can have the place much more to yourself. I like that. I know uh, I've gotten out after work a couple of times and have kind of felt that good feeling of like, oh, yeah, look at what I can do when I'm starting late afternoon, early evening. It's pretty nice. Yeah, it's not a luxury we have in the winter or even in the spring or fall all the time. But when we're in this sweet spot in sort of the middle of the year, we have all that daylight, we might as well take advantage of it. And Jamie, your last recommendation, uh, what do you got for us? This is something that we've talked about before, but I think it bears repeating, especially right now. And that is going to new spots, generally speaking. So one of the best ways to spread crowds out is to just go to somewhere you haven't been before. If you've hiked Memelus in the gorge, if you've been to Opal Creek, that's great. But now is a great time to try someplace different to sort of spread that crowd out and thin thin the crowds in these places that usually get a lot of people. So what I like to do is really simply open up Google Maps and look for areas I've never explored. So I just was doing this recently, uh, the other week, and I realized sort of to my dismay that I have not really explored the Gifford Pinchot National Forest at all. And that is just right across the Columbia River in Washington, and it's huge, and there's a ton of hikes in there. I'm just not going to. Now, these aren't places that are necessarily empty of people. I'm sure there's plenty of popular spots in there. But by me going to one of these these places that I haven't been to before, I am opening up space in some of these more crowded places that I might usually like to go to. So if I go to the Gifford Pinchot instead of going to Hamilton Mountain, for example, that's more space for someone who's never been to Hamilton Mountain to be able to hike there. One fewer car at the trailhead. Yeah. Yeah. If, if we all do this, you know, then we can really spread the crowds out more. So it's kind of in that doing your part to help thin the crowds out. It's maybe a little idealistic to think that that's, you know, going to happen. But I think it's also just a great way to add some variety into your hiking. You know, it's great to hike Dog Mountain. It's a beautiful spot. But if you've been there every year for the last four or five years, try something new. You know, throw some spice into it and and try a new place instead. You heard it here first, folks. Throw some spice into it. That's uh, right. Get out there. <laughs> do something new. I, I like that recommendation, actually. And that's part of w- what I was going with on uh, at least my kayaking recommendation, which is I, I had done the pudding before. The sandy was new for me, but I'm not a big kayaker. But you know what? Why not now? Why not give it a shot? I know I've gotten on my bike a lot more for fun now that I'm not commuting I was a daily bike commuter, and I didn't really want to ride for fun as much. So time to experience some new things, Jamie. I like yeah, that rack. This is a, a, a time right now during the pandemic where, like, look, I'm not, I'm not really one to make a sourdough starter or to start baking. That's not really my thing. I love when my housemates bake. I think it's great um, <laughs> because I get to yeah. reap the benefits of their, of their experimentation. Um, but for me, I get that same kind of feeling by trying new things, trying new experiences, um, going to new places. It kind of, it brings that same, same sense of newness 
And I don't know, I think, honestly, I think that that makes life feel a little bit more exciting and um, makes time kind of slow down a little bit. Well, especially as, at least for us here at the Oregonian, things have been moving very fast. We've Mm -hmm. been very, very busy. I know you and I both revel in a chance to get outside, do something new, slow it down, speed it up, whatever you might want to do. Just getting out there feels good. Jamie, all that kind of said, it's our goal here at the podcast to help you navigate the outdoors during the COVID-19 pandemic. Um, So if you folks have any questions or, or things you might want us to address on a future episode, please get in touch. You can contact us a number of different ways. You can message us on Instagram, leave a message on our podcast hotline. That number, like we've rattled off before, is 503-221-4345. Or, of course, send us a voice memo to podcasts, with an S, at oregonian.com. And we're still accepting campfire stories if you have them and if you want to share them. That was a lot of fun. So you can send those the same way um, through our podcast hotline or to our email address, So please, whether you have a question or a story to tell, get in touch. And with that, folks, until next time, you can subscribe to Peak Northwest wherever you get your podcasts. Watch our videos on the Oregonians YouTube channel. And of course, follow us on Instagram at Peak Northwest. This episode of the podcast was produced by me, Jim Ryan, alongside Jamie Hale and Elliot Noose. Stay safe and happy travels, everyone. Until next time, we leave you with this 10 Seconds of Zen.